always made it a point that when I socialize, I try to diversify who I hang out with. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because when you hang out with a varied you know, group of people, you learn different things that you wouldn't otherwise. I mean, I'm not trying to hang out with people that are exactly like me. You know, I want to learn about different life experiences, different, um, I don't know, different quote-unquote tax brackets, different ethnic backgrounds, different, you know, people who are immigrants, people who aren't, just so I can, you know, really, like, submerge myself in different cultures. This is episode three of that One Vatos podcast, and my next guest is a writer, an artist, my Valenzuelan sister from another mister. Manuela Gonzalez how are you hello good tonight happy to be here this is actually my first time meeting her in person I've known her through social media for a couple years now I know Uh, that's wild I was thinking that when I walked up I was like hey it's like you in the flesh it's crazy I actually saw you in person for the first time it was actually here at um, Southtown Art Gallery 1913 South Florida let's (laughs) go damn I finally got the address right but I saw you here um, at this studio. But I'm very weird about when I know people through social media for a yeah. while. I'm just, I'm, I feel that. that. That's how I was at first. But I've met a few people offline before. So that's why when I saw you, I was like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. But I know at first I was the same way. I was like, do I approach these people? Do I not? Hey, what's up? It's me. Username from Instagram. Like, mm. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, what have you been up to lately? Um, besides slaving away at work. No, I've been getting back into my artwork lately, actually. Um, Not to get all deep philosophical, but Mm -hmm. I've been, like, reflecting on, you know, the creative process and what it means to be an artist and what it means for me to be an artist and not, you know, comparing yourself to other people and just putting some work down, sketching, all that stuff. How were you when you built that confidence to put put your work out there? Ooh. Uh, Did you say how old? Yeah. Man, I think when I started publicizing my art, I was probably... I was like 14 or 15, so I grew up on the side of the internet that was like Tumblr, you know? Mm -hmm. I call it the soft side of the internet. (laughs) It's like, there's two halves, right? There's like the people who grew up on Reddit and 4chan that are like, they can take anything, and then there's people like me who grew up on Tumblr, and we're like, the world is soft, (laughs) and it was like, psych. But um, yeah, people were super friendly on there and cool, so I was like, dude, my artwork is like, it's meaningful, so I was like, let me make an Instagram page. And I didn't dedicate the time to it that I should have. I'm doing it a lot more now. I used to do local stuff too, like... um, you know, I think you know Kyla, um, I'm sorry, yeah, Kayla, Mama Mama Chiflada on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a homie Kayla, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sunshine so, Bakery. Yes, yeah, so she used to have events, and I used to be a vendor, like, at Pan Dulce and also at La Botanica, mm-hmm. and I would make the effort to do that stuff, but over time, I kind of, like, let other things take over, mm-hmm. so I'm getting back to where I was, and I hope to, like, create more work so I can have things to take to the local scene and, like, get to know more people. You kind of do a lot of things. How do you find that balance between arts... Your, your your big girl job and you know, just other things that you're involved in. Yeah, that's the golden question. That's where I'm at right now. Basically, I was letting work consume a lot. And I know you follow me on Instagram, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen all my fucking posts just shitting on work. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that nine to five life, I'm like, but I'm living it too. So it's kind of like, uh, but, um, I basically just carve out time like purposely like I'm more mindful about the shit that I do I used to like you know not really think about it and then Mm -hmm. that's when you kind of lose track of time and then you're like oh it's 9 p.m. and I'm too tired to make stuff so now I'm like okay I set aside you know at work during my lunch break I'll work on like traditional media I'll take my sketchbook to work because it's easy and I can like create stuff there and then when I'm home I'm like all right I have my iPad I'm trying to get into digital art which is really hard (laughs) but um I'll do that at home and I'll be like, I may carve out one hour and then eventually that one hour turns into like an hour, 30 minutes. And then like I'm getting a flow and I have a schedule set up and like it's like instinct to work on my stuff. How did you get involved with CC? Because I know I didn't realize CC has a lot of fantastic artists who are just disciples of CC. I could literally go on about CC. I think it's like the best program ever. I think every city should have one. Um, When I... When I got here and I was in middle school, my mom, I've always been into art. Like, I think it's, like, the one hobby I've had that's been constant throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know who, one of my mom's friends was like, hey, there's this program. Um, and this was, like, in the earlier days of Stacey, back when they were, were Blue Stars now. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, before they got to the new building. And um, the they were like, you just have to do, like, an application process and then... Um, they go do an interview and you take a portfolio, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I love that they uplift the community by providing all those resources free. So all the people, all the kids that I went to CC with were mostly from the inner city. So like they went to Brackenridge or they went to like um, Southside or things like that. And it was really nice because I thought to myself, you know, even me from a single parent household, I would have never been able to afford like now that I buy supplies on my own, it's like oil paints are like ridiculous amounts of money for one tube. 
what, what am I supposed to do with that? So I really appreciate, you know, all the stuff that SACE did for me, and I, it's a great program. Um, you talked about how expensive it is to be an artist. Yeah. Um, and because of programs like SACE, lower-income kids can access those those tools. How vital are these programs? Because there's, like, there's San Anto Art on the west side. There's all these other programs. How vital do you think that is for kids who can't... We're, they're, they're in neighborhoods where art is viewed as a hobby mm-hmm. and not so much as a profession or it could yeah. be a profession. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why do you think it's important for, for these younger folks to, or at least lower income people to, to have access to this? I mean, I think creativity is important in general. Like I think creative expression is a really important part of who we are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, like let's say even if you're someone who's like an athlete, you know, and that's what you do or you're in band or whatever, like the act of creating something, be it music or painting or drawing or like a sculpture or whatever, um, I just think it's really important to personhood and I think it's important to de-stressing, decompressing, figuring out who you are um, and the fact that it presents the opportunity for it to be a career is really interesting. You know, in retrospect, like that didn't work out for me just because unfortunately there's just so many, even though there's programs like SACI that kind of facilitate that, there's still a lot of um, speed bumps in the way. Like when I when I was graduating the program, the expectation for the most part is that you will go on to pursue art in college and stuff. It's a lot more difficult than it sounds though, because you know we're talking programs that are like upwards of like forty six grand to fifty six grand a year. Jeez. You know what I mean? And that's not even including like the schools that I applied to were like in Maryland or like New York. So it was like forty six grand tuition plus your books plus you know your metro pass plus living here and there. So it was like impossible but regardless you know programs like that they bring back a lot to the community I think they keep kids from from I don't want to put it in a negative way but just having all that free time to get caught up in in dumb shit you know when you have programs like say see it's like where are they going to go after school to say see to an environment that's got you know it's family friendly um there's people there to support you to help you even if you're not going to pursue art there's um, resources for you to apply to college they can connect you with mentors and blah 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 it's it's really great yeah uh, where'd you go to high school at? I went to Marshall. What was that like? Uh, <laughs> Marshall, high school for me was like, I had a neutral experience. I didn't have that whole like negative, you know, but I also didn't like it. I'm a huge emotional person. I cry for everything. Mm-hmm. And on my high school graduation, bro, like everybody was like tearing up and I was like, deuces. I never want to see anyone <laughs> again. I'm out. I was so happy. But um, no, Marshall was, was a really cool school. Actually, we were one of the few high schools. Um, I mean, I can only speak for the North side, but... Um, that had like a really expansive arts program. So we actually had advanced placement art, which is like considering the attack on like arts, you know, and like funding, it's like ridiculous to be like, yeah, I took AP fine art, you know, but I did. And my teacher ended up being like, I think she's like the head of arts programs for Northside now. Um, but it was, it was, it was a good school. Like I, I didn't have any negative experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. even though we're on the Northside, it was mostly, I think we were like a little over half Mexican American, um, yeah, it was a pretty. It wasn't a low income school at all, but it also wasn't like high up there. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a decent experience. They and my art teacher actually was also really into Sacy, so it was a cool bridge to have like the two connected. Do you still keep in touch with your your peers from Sacy? Um, not very many of them. I'm trying to think. It's difficult because we all live so far apart, and so many of them actually went on to pursue art. Like I know there's a few that are like in Chicago doing XYZ thing. Another one went to a program here. Um, there's one, um, her name's Chrissy. Um, she does like hula hooping and she makes glass art. Um, but I mostly keep up with him through social media. Yeah. Are you talking about Josue? Cause um, I know you know him, but. Oh yeah, Josue, the, the, oh, I'm, I'm gonna butcher this. He's Guatemalan. I think so. And, and he's, but on Instagram, Buck, Buck, whatever, whatever. Albert, you know him. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, and he's done um, he's done artwork. He did the immigration thing with the mask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so he uh, just went to Chicago. So I yes. thought you were talking about him. He so I actually was his mentor. Wow. I know it's crazy when I see them because I'm like, y'all are like legit adults, bro. <laughs> and like not too long ago, I was having to fight with y'all because you wanted to stab each other with exacto knives <laughs> in class. So it's it's super cool seeing like for example, even though it didn't work out for me in that regard. Yeah. Like. I love seeing students like Josue that were able to pursue that and they have the resources and the financials to like be able to pursue that stuff and do that. So it's really cool. Um, when did you get here in the States? I got here, 
um, September 11th. No. Oh, bullshit. It was a month before. That's why. Oh, I always get them mixed. It was, yeah, a month before September 11th. Um, and I'm really glad because I feel like if we had come after, it wouldn't have worked out. Because obviously, like, it, everything got tighter with immigration and things like that. But yeah. Uh, what was that experience like, um, just coming to the States? Was it a tough transition for you? Uh, it was, because here's the deal. Like, my, my immigration story is a little weird and different only because I didn't come. So a lot of people either come with the idea that they're going to, like, overstay their visa on purpose. So it's mm-hmm. going to, like, expire and they're just going to, you know. And there's people who come, you know, quote, unquote, illegally. I hate that word, but for the sake of, like, we can use it. Um, what we did was my dad was actually in the Army back home in Venezuela, right? So they had, like, an exchange program. And one U.S. family would come to Venezuela, and then we were going to come here for just one year. And we were going to live on base, um, which one is it? Uh, Lackland. Mm -hmm. So that was the plan. So we were like, okay, cool. Like, mentally, we prepared for being in San Antonio just one year and then going back home. But throughout that time, my parents were having, like, a difficult time with their marriage and all that jazz. So gave it, like, not even a full year, and they decided they wanted to split up. Um, also politically stuff back home was getting pretty bad. So my mom was like, you know what? It's time to risk it for the biscuit. And she was like, let's just overstay our visas. Obviously as a kid, I didn't know what the hell any of that was. I was just like, oh, I guess we're staying. Um, because my dad had like a legal obligation cause he's in the army, blah, blah, blah. He couldn't. So he had to go back home. Um, and I've actually, it's been, so 2001, it's been like 18, 19 years. And because of immigration issues and things like that, I've been able to see my dad once. Wow. Yeah. Just, I, I spent like a few days with him in 2015. So it's been a while, but um, it was a, it was a tough transition. Not so much the language, because we were kids. Kids are sponges, you know. It took mm-hmm. like, shit, six months, and my brother and I were already fluent in English. But wow. um, yeah, it was fast. Incredible. And also, like, there was no other choice, because even though we had bilingual classes at my elementary school, it was like, speak English or just fucking be alone the rest of your life. So like, that'll motivate you. But um. But yeah, it was it was interesting. I think the culture shock wasn't as bad as it could have been. That's why I appreciate San Antonio. Like I understand that I wasn't born here, but you know, I I like the homey vibes that San Antonio has. It's very like friendly, open arms. I've never felt pressured or I've never felt like discriminated against or weird or like I don't fit in or I don't belong. So um, I have a lot of friends in the Latinx community, like Puerto Rican. They're they're just from all over, mm-hmm. and they get upset and frustrated when they get confused as Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your experience with that been like? Um, <laughs> that's really funny. But, yeah, um, that living in San Antonio, that happens. It's the stock. I mean, you know, at first, I used to get offended by it, but what, what do you expect? You know, like, we're basically on the border with Mexico. It's the closest thing. Not to mention, there's this huge mix-up of, like, the cultural aspect of what you know different latin countries are like so for somebody who doesn't have that exposure it's easy to assume that it's all the same thing like you'll walk into a mexican restaurant and they'll be playing like celia cruz you know what i mean so someone who doesn't know <laughs> cuban I mean, right but someone who doesn't know will listen and be like oh shit i'm in a mexican restaurant this is mexican music like and it's not i don't I, i'm not gonna be like it means that you're ignorant or whatever the case but if you don't know, you just don't know. So I understand why people get offended because they're, you know, there's like hyper representation of Mexican culture in, in Latin media in general, especially in the U.S. But I mean, Mexicans are the largest minority group in, in as far as the Latin diaspora. So it's like, what do you expect? And then after that, there's like Puerto Ricans and Cubans. You know what I'm saying? So I think as more as immigration becomes like I know in Venezuela, the issue right now is we have like mass migrations of people coming like in Katy, Texas, there's like 40,000 Venezuelans now, whereas before I don't even know how many, but there were not that many. Wow. So I'm calculating that over the years, there will be different representation because I mean, you represent what's in your backyard, basically. And like if there's more groups coming in, you know, but I'm not going to call out people and say, you know, don't get offended. I understand. I get it. But am I going to, you know, like grab a pitchfork and like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that Mexicans, we, we want to claim everyone who, who's not Mexican as our own. So like Elvis, um, suavemente guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we swear he's Mexican, but he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> but he's at every quinceanera. That's yeah. Yeah, he's Puerto Rican. Is he, is he really Puerto Rican? Yeah. I could have sworn he was like Dominican. I mean, Caribbean. Potato, potato. Someone's, <laughs> someone's going to get pissed that I said that. It's fine. <laughs> but it's just so funny because <laughs> we just want to claim everybody. But even we don't know better as, as Mexicans. Um, let's see. There's so much to talk about with you because you know a lot about everything. 
Um, that is a compliment. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, please take that compliment. I learned a lot through you. You know, you go on a lot of threads, and you like to have <laughs> so open, much patience. Di- open dialogue. <laughs> when did you have the confidence to do that, as far as have that kind of dialogue with just... It could be random people. <laughs> I don't even know if it's confidence or the fact that there's no one listening to me at home. So I just went on Twitter and was like, this is it. I hate it. That's such a stereotype. Like, I have a journal. And when I had Tumblr, it was the same. I used to write posts that were, like, essays. And um, I guess it, it comes from the fact that I don't feel super comfortable all the time talking about certain things with people in real life. I don't know about now, presently, but, for example, when I was in college, which was when I started building up, like, my social media and things like that, because most people that I surrounded myself with, I came to learn quickly that what I have on Twitter, for example, it is a bubble. You know, like, for the most part, 86% of the people that are mutuals with me and that follow me and I follow, whatever, um, we have similar points of views as far as, you know, like, the police or, like, immigration. Um, There's a lot of, like, socialists and progressives and leftists and, you know, there's even a scattered, a few communists, which I did on purpose to try and get their perspective, even though I'm not, we're not necessarily on the same page. But, um, I don't know, it just, I guess it's when I feel super strongly about something, it's very difficult for me, um, to not speak up about it. Um, and it's easier for me to do so on Twitter, actually, because typing it out, um, even though it's uncomfortable, I think the formatting, like, the thread making it flow is difficult, because it's, I don't know how you have the patience to read through any of them, because even me, after I type that shit, I'm, like, never looking at you again. (laughs) But, um... I like engaging in dialogues with people um, when it comes to certain topics. Like, I'm trying to think of one of my tweets that went viral that was kind of a hot button. I had to mute it because people were getting really upset. I don't know if you remember the one about... um, uh, I made a comment that was like, um, be careful uh, that we as women, non-black women of color, should be careful dating um, black men that are fetishizing us. Mm. But but in a way that is used as like, you know, I date you because you're lighter skinned and you're better than a dark skinned black woman mm-hmm. and making sure we understand that that's not a compliment. That's I mean, if, if we if we agree to co-sign that kind of behavior, we're partaking in and in, in, in putting black women down. And that's not, you know, no, I goal. remember that, that. Right. A lot of people took that the complete wrong way. There are people that were like, are you saying that we shouldn't date black men? And I was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> That's not the point of my tweet at all. And it got super misconstrued. But then on the other hand, there were people having constructive... Because at the end, I was like, but listen, at the end of the day, like, if you're a black person and you see this tweet and you want to take it somewhere, go ahead, have a conversation. Because at the end of the day, like, it's not, you know... Like, what I'm talking on behalf of what I know, which is myself as a non-black Latina woman. So, and there was really interesting dialogue that came from it. So I do, I do like seeing things like that. And um, it's interesting what people's thoughts are and how people misread things, even though they're written in plain English. Do you... When people misread things, do you even try and like explain yourself, or you just leave it leave it alone? Um, I leave a, I leave it alone depending on how abstract it is, because there's some people who misunderstand to the point of no return. Where I'm like, you, they're either trolling or they're just the point just flew way over their head, and there's no way that like my character limit on Twitter will ever reach them. Um, there are some people that I did bother replying to, like for example, the people who said, you know, the takeaway was we can't date black men. I was like, that's not. That's not the point of my tweet whatsoever, and I'll explain why. Or there was someone else who was like, are you trying to say their um, interracial relationships are wrong? And I'm like, no, I'm in an interracial relationship. That's not my point. My point is, you know, the topic of fetishizing someone and then putting a certain ethnic background or a certain race on a pedestal simply because of their skin color as being inherently wrong. Mm. So. You, you taught me a lot about, I just learned a lot just by following you on Twitter for the last few years. You, um... How do you how do you become like in tune with new terms that are that are coined? Which happens like every single day. Um, man, I really don't. Sometimes I'll be surfing and I see something and I, I realize even though I'm only twenty five, I consider twenty five to be young. Um, I don't know, I'll I'll see some things that people that are still in college are posting and I'm like, Y'all lost me for all this time, like <laughs> I'm out. But, um, no, mostly it's just asking. Like, if I, if I do come across something and I genuinely don't understand what it is, yeah. um, I'll, I'll DM the person. Or if it's in, in person, I've heard people say things verbally and, and I ask for clarification. Do you mind explaining what that is? Um, and eventually I start. I, I, I guess the biggest point is just to make sure that whenever, you know, I explain my business or I'm talking about something, I let people know that I also learn these things as well. Um, there's nothing I dislike more, and I when I catch myself doing it, I try my best to stray from that. But, you know, 
acting high and mighty about certain terms or certain things when people don't say like the gender neutral for a Latino I'm not gonna pounce on them or whatever because um, sometimes people just don't know and sometimes people don't understand or they're not exposed to it or they just there's some people who generally just don't care to be honest I mean, if, I mean I'm not gonna like sugarcoat that but um, the important thing is just to always have an open mind like a mind you know with the idea or the intent to learn new things I guess was there a certain moment in your life where that just became a part of you as far as the way you approach things? Um, that's interesting. Not not necessarily. I think it's something that I put in practice every day because mm-hmm. when growing up, I've always been in my family. I'm the one that's most in, in tune, I guess, with what's going on as far as like social issues that not everyone deems super important because, for example, I mean... Um, I concern myself with the trans rights movement, but technically speaking, it doesn't apply to me as a person or anyone in my family, right? But I still make the choice to take care of that and, and to read up on it just because it interests me. But I, you know, my, my younger brother, that wouldn't interest him, for example. So at home, a lot of times when my when my family would say something that was, you know, had a tinge of homophobia, for example, or something to that nature, I was always the one that was like, hey, you know, let's not say this, let's do that. But my tone hasn't always been the way it is now. Like, I used to be very... Um, commanding mm-hmm. um which isn't the way to go about it if you want anyone to listen to you ever which i learned very quickly um but over time i've just learned that you you have to keep an open mind unfortunately even though you hold xyz views um everyone has different world views than you and i've actually learned that a lot um i'm gonna do a shout out to my current boyfriend because that's exactly how he views things and i've learned a lot from him in that respect he's very patient and he's very much like you know, you got to understand that even though you view things X, Y, Z way, that's your worldview and that's all comprised of experiences you've had to build that. But not everyone has that same perspective. I remember you were you were like, I think <laughs> this is when you were dating or just like you were just going out or whatever. But I remember you were like, you were kind of you made a thread of that. Like, oh, my gosh, like this is how he thinks. And you're like super <laughs> excited about it. Because because it's nice having somebody that is completely the polar opposite of you in that respect because it's like now I can learn from this person and I can better my own way of thinking or my own way of approaching and it's true sometimes before reacting and being reactionary to any scenario I'll reflect on something he said or something he's talked about and then I'm like bro I should do it that way and then you know it brings me more peace because I'm not you know getting angry unnecessarily and then I can understand the other person's perspective and kind of like work towards a conclusion or no conclusion which Mm -hmm. I've also learned is fine like you you just can't change some people's mind, and um, that is going to be what it is. Nice. What kind of issues are you passionate about right now locally in San Antonio? Uh, man, mm, I would say mostly the art thing. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm getting back into my art, I'm 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 realizing that it would be cool to have more resources for artists locally. Um, I think it's important to build an environment that's not you know, that's very inclusive. I think that's the most important thing. With creativity in general, I I made a tweet about this where I was like, you know, it would be nice to find creatives that are willing to uplift each other and not, you know, compete in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, Like no gatekeeping, things of that nature that I genuinely can't stand because what's what's the point, you know? But um, I think it'd be cool to have a more inclusive art scene and inclusive art networking to get to know other artists, Mm, easier ways to figure out how to do collaborations maybe workshops, understanding how to work with the city. Um, I've been super interested in doing a mural, but you know, I have no clue where to even begin with that. Um, cause I just, I don't have that knowledge. Um, I can help you out with that. Yeah. I was, so gonna, well, the homie Albert. I was gonna say like after, after today, I was like, Hey, hold on, wait a minute. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Getting, getting, I don't know, getting more inner city kids involved in things that will propel them. Um, getting kids college bound, um, funding schools, which I think is like a nationwide issue, but in San Antonio, um, yeah. You, you just talked about college. What was your college experience like? Man, <laughs> college for me was rough. Um, I graduated in, in about three years, and when I tell people that, they're like, wow, that's incredible, but it wasn't because I wanted to. Um, it was because I was forced to. Um basically when you this is a huge misunderstanding people think that well it's not all people but some people believe that when you're a dreamer when you have DACA you um by the way I don't know if people say DACA or DACA but I'm gonna say DACA um if you have DACA that you get aid through the through the federal means or through your state 
and that's complete bullshit. It's not the case. So whenever you do apply for um, for college, you there's a federal aid. Sorry, it's not federal. There's a Texas fund, at least here in the state, that is for undocumented students, but it's not guaranteed. So that's kind of shitty because they'll tell you you can fill this form out, and it's possible that you may get aid, but it's basically what's left over from FAFSA, which, as you can imagine, is not. <laughs> so that was hopeless. So basically, I had to do. Um, I had to talk to the student of office retention. I went to St. Mary's and um, I ended up getting scholarships by like the hair on my chinny chin chin straight up. And I never registered to classes on time. It was so stressful. Literally every end of the semester, it was me knocking on the, the office student retention and begging for money. Yeah, like straight up just begging them. Can I, you know, I owe three grand. I don't have that money. Um, is there any scholarship money left? And I would basically have to sell myself. Like, here are the things I do at school. Here's here are my grades. Here's, you know, my projected graduation plan. Am I good enough to get some funding? Um, not not the way. I like. I got to. I'm not gonna pretend I didn't get to enjoy college in part, but not really. Cause there was a lot of stress and. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I would literally go to the chapel to like pray because I didn't know what else to do because I was mm -hmm. like, I need, I need money and I really want to graduate. Like, how am I going to do this? Because I didn't have papers. So I thought if I don't try and make it here, you know, it was also helping me kill time to get my residency so I could have my working permit and things because without a degree and also without a permit, what was I going to do for work? You know, that was going to sustain me nothing. So, um, you know, those three years were rough, but when I graduated, I was super happy. I would love to go to grad school, hypothetically, but it's very expensive mm -hmm. and um, very time-consuming. Um, but yeah. What did you graduate with? I got a... So I did a, a minor in Portuguese, and then I studied international relations and political science. What was that like? Well, why that? That's a great question. I ask myself that every day. Um, I'm really into politics. I, I like current issues. I also like learning about different cultures and things like that. So I started actually with international business, um, which was terrible. I'm the worst person for math ever in the history of... Literally, you tell me what 2 plus 2 is, but if you ask it to me in a way that's quick, I'll start sweating as if I don't know the answers for, and it takes me five minutes. So ridiculous. It's Even admitting it out loud is like, damn, sis, worry, you got it like I'm that. I'm a journalist. We, we all, <laughs> all journalists suck at math. <laughs> It, I, those, remember those times tables that they used to make us? Man, yeah. fuck that shit. <laughs> the anxiety, man. Even when I think about it, my palms get sweaty. My palms are sweaty now. Let me just take care <laughs> of that real quick. But, uh, yeah, I did one semester of that, and then I took, um, I think I took a, a finite math, which is a math for business. I flunked. I flunked that so hard. I was like, sir, I'm trying. I just don't. I'm not in I'm not in this. So I had already come in mind with two majors. I was like, all right, international business, if it flops, international relations for sure. And international relations was fun. There was um I took a lot of classes on um different there was like a, a religious course where I learned about all different kinds of religions. Mm -hmm. Um my professor was an atheist who became a believer somehow. She was studying to be a rocket scientist, believe it or not. Wow. And then somehow she found God and she decided I'm gonna teach these kids about Jesus, and so she did. She did just that. Wow, that's I think her a name. Fascinating. Yeah, her name. Of events. Her name was Irene Questno. Um, I don't know where she is now, but I, I always thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it just it exposed me. Also, there was a lot of international students that were in my classes. That was really cool. Um, did that help your experience better? Like as your college experience, being around other international students? Yeah, yeah, I always made it a point, that's just me personally, I've always made it a point that when I socialize, I try to diversify who I hang out with. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because when you hang out with a varied, you know, group of people, you learn different things that you wouldn't otherwise. I mean, I'm not trying to hang out with people that are exactly like me, you know, I want to learn about different life experiences, different, um, I don't know, different quote-unquote tax brackets, different ethnic backgrounds, different, you know, people who are immigrants, people who aren't, just so I can you know, really, like, submerge myself in different cultures. Do you think it's important just for anybody in, on this planet to do that? Dude, yeah. I mean, if you, if you surround yourself with people that are exactly like you and have grown up exactly like you, like, same, you know, mom, dad, white picket fence bullshit, like, I just feel like you're missing out. There's just so many other, other perspectives and so many other types of people that you can get to know and also that will teach you different things about life that you don't know at the moment, like, even being considerate, you know what I mean? Like, um, there are certain privileges, even though I was an immigrant and things like that, there are still privileges I hold over other immigrants who didn't have it the way I have it. Like, I have my green card now, I have my residency, like, I have a clear path to citizenship. There are some people who don't have that. And without being friends with people who have that, those experiences, I can't really get that firsthand knowledge 
of how that is. It's one thing to read about different people and to, you know, but there's something really personal about being friends with people that come from different walks of life and learning from them. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, want to go to the opinion piece that you wrote for the Times. Yeah. And you said you wanted to clear some things up. Yeah. Uh, what did you want to clear up about it? So, um, I actually, there was a girl on Twitter that popped off on me when I posted it because the picture I chose for the cover of it was um, the, the mural. Tacos. Yeah. yeah. So, I didn't pick that picture for any particular reason other than it was a cool picture that I took at the time and I needed a profile photo and I didn't have anything else. Um, but she was criticizing the fact that she felt that it was gimmicky because it had like the tacos on it and then it was like DACA related to immigrants and Latino immigrants. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm going to be honest, I don't see her point. I, I don't understand what the problem is. But I always did want to clear up and I tried at the moment. She ended up blocking me. This was years ago. But I tried clearing up with her that it wasn't meant with any stereotypical intent. It was literally just a picture that was randomly chosen. But um, as far as the actual article itself, what I've learned since then, at the time, my mentality was, you know, the whole good immigrant versus bad immigrant dichotomy, where we kind of have to prove through our labor and what we bring our, basically our rights to be in this country. So my mentality was, oh, if I write this article, I can include all my successes and everything that I've done and prove that because of this, I deserve to be in this country, because I have a degree, because I speak X languages, because blah, blah, blah. And since then, I've learned that that's not the case. Um, I do feel like anybody who's searching for a better life definitely deserves to be in this country. I don't think you need to prove yourself by bending over backwards to get some fucking degree. I don't think a degree is the end-all be-all of education, of learning, of, you know, of literally proving anything about yourself that's worthwhile. Um, money either, um, status, things like that. So that's, that's what I wanted to specify. Cool. Um, you said, you were talking about how when you first got here, it was before 9-11 and how if you would have came afterwards, it would have been a lot difficult. Um, how do you think life, how difficult life is now since 45 has been in office? Uh, I know it's been difficult for a lot of people. Um, the way it's impacted me personally, I'll say it's just with the travel. Um, Venezuela, like I mentioned politically, is a hot mess right now, and we have terrible relations with the U.S. If I'm not mistaken, I, pro- I could be, but if I'm not mistaken, we're on a no-fly list, I think. Um, if you go on the the Department of Homeland Security webpage, they list countries that aren't safe for U.S. citizens. And I'm pretty confident Venezuela's on there, but, um, and this is, it goes beyond 45, like when Bush was in office, mm-hmm. notoriously him and Hugo Chavez had a terrible relationship, for obvious reasons, but, um, I just, I think the biggest thing that I've seen is just the growth in, in hate crimes. I'm sorry, not hate crimes, that's not the right word, in, um, just hate speech even in person, but also online. Um, people using the whole, you know, free speech, free speech. Like, free speech is one thing, and I understand that, but if your free speech is promoting, for example, discrimination of people because of things they can't control, like their gender or their race, I mean, to me, there's limits, you know? Like, I, I stand behind free speech, and I stand behind, but it's one thing to say something like, you know, I believe college should be free versus I believe college shouldn't be free to saying, I believe all black and brown people are inferior because they're black and brown. They're two different, I mean, to, to me anyway. I know there's people who will disagree and say free speech encompasses everything, but I would have to disagree with that. I think that there's some forms of speech that promote hate to the point of violence and to the point of um, negative stereotypes that promote violence. And that's definitely something that I've seen an uptick in, especially on Twitter. Um, with all the bot accounts, there's so many of them, it's ridiculous. Joe, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, saying the N-word left and right and calling, calling uh, Mexicans whatever slur he can think of, and it's like, my guy, really? We're doing this still in 2019? What's the big idea? Like, what, what did you gain? <laughs> did you get a new house? Did you get a raise? Did you get a girlfriend finally? So, hell no. Um, you're a brown woman in America. There's so many obstacles that you have to face. Um, how difficult is it to, be, you know, just to be a brown woman in America, and then on top of that, being an immigrant as well? Yeah. Um, actually, like like I mentioned before about holding privileges, even mm-hmm. though I I do fit into those categories, I think the cool thing about San Antonio as a city is that I haven't felt, um, I haven't felt 
barriers because mm-hmm. of my skin color or because of being an immigrant. Um, there, there have been literal barriers because of me being an immigrant, for example, you know, not getting aid for college, literally. But I haven't been turned away from anything or I haven't felt discriminated against because of those factors. Um, that doesn't mean I haven't felt it when I've traveled to different places. Um, I went to North Carolina once and I definitely, you know, felt incredibly uncomfortable and I felt people like, but I think it's because it was a very small town and what can I expect, you know, when, when it's 300 people and you're the first visitor and, you know, but as far as living here, no, I've never, um, never felt any discrimination or felt any quote unquote barriers, but I understand that there's people who have, and that's the important thing is never, just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean, you know, Susan hasn't felt it or whoever else, you know. So I try never to deny people's experiences. I try to listen to everybody just because I had this life in San Antonio doesn't mean someone else didn't feel mm-hmm. discriminated against or whatever. Um, but for the immigration thing, I can I can attest that it, it is difficult um, because it's there's a lot of legal things that are in the way of you accomplishing certain things. And even now, there's some jobs that I would love to apply to, for example, but I can't because I need to have a citizenship first. And even if I have citizenship, there are certain jobs that require certain clearances for security issues or whatever, if you're working for the government, for example, and you just can't have that access because you're naturalized, even if you are a citizen. So um, even still, I have nothing to complain about, honestly. Um, it's, been, it's been a decent ride. It's been rough but it's been worth it. And I'm glad that I'm able to have the ability to talk openly about my immigration status and what I've been through without the fear of, you know, oh, someone's gonna call ICE or whatever, or um, they're gonna follow me on social media and then they're not gonna give me my green card or whatever, so. Um, you, how do you stay in touch with your roots? Because you, I mean, the whole travel issue, that barrier, yeah. uh, how, how, how do you stay in touch with, with your roots back home? Um, I mean, that one is a little easier for me only because it's it's kind of a weird thing with Venezuelan immigrants because so many of us are not necessarily first generation because we were born in Venezuela, but we came here to the U.S. or to whatever other country so young that it's difficult for me to be like, oh yeah, I am 100% Venezuelan because really I'm Venezuelan, but also I'm incredibly American. Mm-hmm. Like. I am nowhere near what my cousins back home or anyone is because I have I've been exposed to this entire different way of living that's a part of me now. Um, but you know, Spanish was my first language, and obviously, still is my first language. I speak it every single day at work. I have to speak Spanish. Um, uh, we we've been having a difficult time keeping certain traditions alive, only because of the money, the cost of it, and all. Um, but we you know we still do certain traditional things. I talk to my family almost every day. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I keep up with, with pop culture back home, famous Venezuelan sculptors or painters, um, tr- classical music, traditional for us, that we listen to during Christmas time. Um, my mom and I will watch um, TV shows together that are Venezuelan-based or themed or whatever. Um, so things like that. It's, 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 um, it's like an amalgamation of you know, music and food and, and the God's gift, which is WhatsApp, that keeps me connected to my family, because without that shit, I don't know what I would do, honestly. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite plate of food from there? Oh, what does it consist hard. of? Damn, let me think. Oh, there's this one. Um, you could eat it basically any part of the day, but technically it's a breakfast item. Um, it could kill your stomach, though. It's like a it's like a corn pancake type thing. It's called a cachapa, but it's, it's really thick in consistency, and it's sweet, and normally you have it for breakfast, and it's literally like the size of your entire palm folded over yeah it's huge it's massive and then inside you have like a white cheese which i guess just queso fresco type thing you know um but it's delicious it's a bomb on your stomach though like you'll be full for a whole day like but it's 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 good it's like good as fuck there's actually food trucks here there's um which one there's one that's um at the utsa what's it called i've never been the block i think is what it's called yeah, I stay away from there, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, they used to be on um, on Fredericksburg, I think, but they moved there, and it's called Sulia's Kitchen, and they have really good food. And the other one, it's on San Pedro next to Las Americas, that, that trade store. Um, it's, a, it's a Latin American grocer, okay. but it's called um, Burger, Burger Epa, and I think it's Venezuelan as well. But, yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, so oh, if man. you're interested. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things did you do growing up? Uh, what were you into? Like, what were your like favorite TV shows? Yeah, yeah. Ironically, as a kid, I was really into video games. Oh, nice. Yeah, a lot, but that changed quickly. I mean, I play games now, but not to the degree that I played them before. My brother and I switched roles that way. But um, I used to really be into video, playing video games on my PS1. I used to play um, 
it's super common in Venezuela to buy burn CDs mm-hmm. to not ever have the original. So I used to play Pepsi Man on the PS1. <laughs> um, shitty ass game, but it was so much fun. Um, what else did we have? Um, Hot Wheels. I used to play Hot Wheels. Like I would, I was stuck to the fucking there screen. There was a Hot Wheels video yeah, game. Yeah, for PlayStation One, fro fro. It was really fun. Um, I had a sixty-four. Aww. I I did too actually, but I don't know what happened to it. I used to play a rat racing game on it. What, a rat they were, racing yeah, game? they were rats on motorcycles. I feel like I went to a local gaming store nearby that that sells classic, and I asked him, and he told me the name, but I forgot. Oh, they're all, it's off of Ashby McCullough. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But um, that's pretty much what I did. I was really into reading. Um, I've always I've always been a diehard anime fan, and you know, I went through a phase where I hid that part of myself because I was like, oh shit, it makes you nerdy. But now as an adult, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I love anime. I love reading manga. Um, it's like a huge hobby of mine. And then, of course, art, which is... I've been doing that since I was, like, fucking yeah. three years old. It's, like, the one consistent thing in my life. It's crazy that you say that I was always the outcast because I never watched anime. Really? But I never had access to it. Like, the only... Like, I didn't have cable growing up, so... Mm. The only anime that I would watch was Shaolin Showdown. Okay. <laughs> Shout out Shaolin Showdown, man. That show was so dope. For me, it was uh, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, um, and Digimon. Did I love Digimon? Yeah, they used to yeah. show it on Fox all the time. Oh, and Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah, yeah. a classic. Oh man, that's so dope. Yeah. Um, so I see that you're a big MF Doom fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like the hardest hip hop head in the game or anything, but I, how did I discover him? I, I think I was watching. Um, I don't know who I, I went through like a rabbit hole of listening to random like lo-fi ambient type hip hop things, <laughs> and then eventually I came to him. And yeah, I was I was all about it, and I started listening to all his other aliases, and like, ten out of ten, in my opinion. Uh, well, what other artists do you like, or what? Oh, that's rough, cause there's a lot. I'm, hip hop is like my main genre that I'm really into, but mm-hmm. I also really like um, Latin, alternative, mm-hmm. in rock, and also pop, um, Brazilian music. I'm really into bossa nova, um, which is the more classic, older Brazilian jazz. Is that music in in Portuguese? Yeah, yeah. All oh, of it's cool. in Portuguese. Um, what else do I listen to? I listen to a lot of reggaeton. It's, reggaeton. I love, yeah. It's so good. Um, I like, obviously, alternative rock. Growing up, I went through a lot of phases, and at one point, I was very emo. So that stuff stays with you forever. <laughs> I, to this day, bro, I hear My Chemical Romance or uh, whatever else in my ears. It's like, where? Where are they? <laughs> and then I went through a scene kid phase, and to this day, like, Chiodos. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, yeah, I, I like that shit. I've been getting into K-pop recently. Just because oh, really? everyone and their mom is like, K-pop, K-pop. And I was like, let me give this a listen. And it's not half bad. It's really not. Their BTS, fans? Intense. They're intense. They will spam. Like, you can watch, like, an NBA you know, Twitter account. And they're just posting about the playoffs or something. And you just see a random K-pop video in the thread. With I'm the like, icons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> They'll be like, it doesn't matter. Stan Luna. And post a video. And I'm like, y'all never sleep, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that, that, they have a great... Man, I wish I had a fan base like that. I know, that. me too. I'm like... I'd be financially stable for literally, the rest of my life. Literally. <laughs> and if you say anything negative, what you think you got on that Frank Ocean tweet, bro. Oh, my gosh. I, I would rest in peace to anyone who tries to defy K-pop fans. <laughs> for the record, John Michael, I did not say I disliked <laughs> Blonde. <laughs> I'm going to mention Blonde in every... <laughs> clear my name. Um, what else? I mean, what other forms of entertainment are you digesting right now? Mostly music. I hate that I don't have much time for TV. Yeah, same. I, I try to, to finish series and stuff, but mm-hmm. then I just forget, and it falls off, and then I'm like, oh, shit, I should watch that. Um, what have I been watching lately that's really good? I've been re-watching old anime, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I started watching um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is old as hell, but I, I, just, I really like the, the 90s um, anime style. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of those damn lo-fi hip-hop videos, the the ones that play on loops on YouTube. I listen to them to draw and stuff, and then I'm like, wow, cool. Look at this cool, like, 80s synth-looking car driving down the highway for 24 minutes. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I What else? There's got to be some other shows I'm watching. I know I can't be that dry. Because I used to be so big into TV, and, like, I used to watch um, Pretty Little Liars. Oh, okay. AKA the longest running show ever until I got fucking tired. I was like, y'all are going to tell me who A is? You don't get my views. Bye. I'm done. It's oh been, what, gosh. 12 seasons? I don't care anymore. <laughs> Toss table. I'm out. Um, what else have I been watching? Yeah, just mostly anime on Netflix. Mostly. Nice. I need to get into anime because everyone clowns me. And I, 
I'm impressed because normally it would have been, but I guess things change. Now there's like, thanks to all those SoundCloud rappers, it's anime is like. Literally all my cool. homies, they, they watch anime. I'm, I'm just there like, it's foreign to me. I'm like, ah, can we talk about something else, guys? <laughs> I mean, they're, it's definitely difficult to get into if it's not something you've been doing for a while. But there, there's something for every, for every taste. There's even yeah. sports animes. If I've seen that. that. I've, Isn't I've, that crazy? I've, yeah, it's nuts. It's such a I saw niche. There's there's basketball ones. There's a tennis one. I know there's a football one. Um, there's ninjas. There's zombies. Yeah, I used to watch anime with my cousin Chris. He, he would buy the. He'd go to the library. On um, was it Buena Vista? I think it was on yeah the library no commerce yeah it's just public library on commerce and he'd go there get like ten books. Oh shit. He just read them. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, you know what? Let me get the DVDs now. Watch them. No way. And then Saturdays, um, I, if I spend the night at my tia's house, we'd watch Naruto, One oh, Piece. Yeah. Um, the classics. Yeah, I forgot what the other one was. Um, Bleach? Inuyasha? <laughs> there you go, that one. The, oh, yeah. I could never enunciate it. Inuyasha. Inuyasha, yeah. Inuyasha. Inu, Inu, um, you got this, you got this. Peter Pack of Pickle, Pack of Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> 1913, South Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Um, I wanted to segue into writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're a great writer on social media. Like, I I, I try and do threads because, I mean, for my job, if I'm ever covering, like, a, a sporting event, oh, yeah. got a live tweet. And I'm still learning that art. Even though I'm always on Twitter, it's crazy. I'm always on Twitter. Um, but that art of just composing a thread or just composing anything in general. Like, I'm just used to writing articles, right. stuff like that. Um, who are your favorite writers? Um, in general, I would say Gabriel Garcia Marquez is one of my favorite ones. Um, Sandra Cisneros, oh, also, I know, I know, classic. Um, I can't think of more authors off the top of my head. I read a lot, mm -hmm. like a lot of books. Um, but for me, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's the opposite. I really like writing and I would like to get into freelance journalism if I could oh nice but for me writing articles is actually more difficult than expressing like pocket thoughts on social media and yeah. putting them together I try writing articles and then when I read them back I'm like bro you sound like you're 12 what is this did you or did you not go to college where is this formal education <laughs> someone <laughs> uh what's the most recent book you read or any anything you like an article um I'm trying to think about oh um I can't remember the author's name but there's this fiction book that I just finished reading it's called at the drop of a lemon um, and it's really good. It's uh, based, the theme is um, that they're in India during, um, I'm going to guess, when, when the British were still in India. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is about this girl's life growing up. And um, it's really cool because it kind of explores, like, all the mysticisms in Indian culture, certain, you know, taboos in their, in their cultural day-to-day, -day, and then also um, different superstitious things. And also, like, how the case system worked, because she's in a certain case, and then it goes over different people that she interacts with and how they're in different cases. And, um, yeah, it's super, super cool. It's a pretty long book. I actually started reading it when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then from the local, from the library at school, and I checked it out, and I read halfway through it, and then I put it down. And then a few months ago, I was like, let me look it up on Amazon. And I bought it, and I finished reading it. Felt so fulfilling. I was like, finally. It only took me seven years. <laughs> uh, where, do you have a certain space where you like to read things, or you can just read anywhere? Hmm. Now I feel like I can read pretty much anywhere. When I'm when I'm like laser focused on some shit, I'm laser focused. Damn. The only thing I can't do that with is art because yeah. of my actual body. Like if I'm drawing, I need to be on a good surface because I suffer from my 35 year old back. Even though I'm only in my 20s, like <laughs> I hate it so much. My knees too. They buckle and pop, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? What are we doing? What is this? <laughs> I stretch. Why does God play me? <laughs> Stretching right before you paint. <laughs> I mean, Albert, do you stretch before you paint? <laughs> but I need to, and it helps with just the longevity. We don't think about it uh, that much. You're, you're like holding a pencil or holding a paintbrush yeah. or sanding a certain way, but um, it's pretty vital to stretch and exercise before you paint. Health first, kids. It's crazy. I used to stretch as a teenager, you know, because I was always in sports. When I, I mean, I really, I didn't need to because I was young. But yeah, you know, I'm 24. It's like, damn, I, I play basketball or something. I'm like, oh my God, I should have stretched, man. Like, <laughs> should have stretched for at least an hour. Two minutes in, I need to breathe. <laughs> Kids, please. Respect your elders. Um, what events do you like going to in San Antonio? Mostly, 
I've actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I've been trying to get more into what we were talking about before we started. I want to get more into the city and like things people do here. Mm -hmm. The general stuff, First Friday. Um, mm -hmm. The rough thing is that since I live on the north side, yeah, and you know, this was my dumbass choice. I have a vehicle that gets 50 miles per gallon. Woohoo! So driving out here for events is like, yeesh. Dang, you driving a you driving a Hummer? <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> let me defend myself here. Hummers are worse. I drive a Jeep. I have a Wrangler. I know. Oh, that's right. You do I have know, a Jeep. A yes. A mess. I, I remember when you first bought it. I know. I know. I love that car so much. But listen, my next car, I'm, I'm trying to get a Prius. I'm trying to get a bike. <laughs> I'm trying to not have a car. San Antonio, uh, help me out. Fix our streets. Oh, Fix I our know. public transportation, please. Yeah, I used to take the bus before this, um, before I had my car, and that's how I got to, to school. Oh, wow. Well, and b bumming rides off my friends. Like, they're yeah. the most, if my friends are listening, the most patient people, the most kind people ever, because they gave me rides to and from. Like, I can never pay them back for that. That's awesome. Yeah, but taking the bus was shit. Remember my freshman year of college, I would take a bus. I had to take three buses to get to my college. Hell no. I took two. Yeah, from St. Mary's to the, yeah, ugh. Oh, man. I mean, I, I got to do my homework on the bus, though. Yeah, that's where I read. I, that was one of my favorite reading spots. So when I got a car, I'm like, man, like. <laughs> what do I do now? Can't read and drive. Autonomous cars. Hell no. <laughs> I don't trust that mm. for shit. Bro, me either. I've thought about it and I'm like, mm, nice feature, but nah, we're good over here. I was in Detroit two years ago for, um, they chose like eight journalists to go to Detroit and oh, we sweet. covered the, the auto show out there. It's like, oh, cool. I didn't realize how big that auto show was. They had people from all over the world. It's the North American International Auto Show. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what it was called. And that's when they were like introducing autonomous cars and I was looking at my, my peers, I'm like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, no, no. Things like like face readers, they read cookies as people's faces. <laughs> so I was like, how am I gonna trust this car? <laughs> I think it's funny you say that though, because I feel like with, so my car is uh, manual functioning, so it doesn't have, like, I don't have Bluetooth, I don't have automatic locks. Um, shouldn't be saying this but it doesn't have an alarm so I have to do everything just myself and I went to a work event once and I was backing up and I back up obviously by checking my mirrors and looking back and my coworker was like oh your car doesn't have a camera and I'm like no it doesn't and he's like oh shit how do you back up and I'm like well <laughs> I do it the what? old school way like how they did in the <laughs> back in the stone age and we we look at our mirrors and turn around and he's like oh okay back when tall tees were a thing <laughs> <laughs> no and then the worst thing is afterwards he was like yeah you know when I'm driving because you know how cars new cars they'll tell you the there's a little blinker on the on the rear on the side view mirror that'll tell you if a car's next to you yeah it'll turn orange or whatever he's like yeah that's the best uh, the best function ever because if it turns red i know or if it turns orange i know oh don't gosh. switch lanes and i'm like my guy it's not that hard to look what on god that was the laziest shit i'd ever heard in my life i was like good luck to you out here that is nuts yeah it's a bit much and i'm not against the whole if you perfect the technology that's cool that you have a car that can yeah but um yeah no i don't i just even if the technology was at that point, I feel like I still wouldn't trust it. Because there's something about using your functions, man. I don't want to lose, like, that alertness you need to have when you drive. Yeah. I'm about it. Like, I need, I need to be sharp. You know, I'm not going to fall asleep at the wheel because I get comfortable with my car after <laughs> two months. I'm not, so I'm not trying to do that. Because that's what it's going to be like. You're going to, you're, you know, you're going to test it out and you're going to, like, take your hands off the wheel. And then eventually you're just going to be like, oh, okay. And then yeah. after a month, you're going to be like, let me just go to sleep. Take a quick nap. You know? No. No, it's funny. Um, one of my friends were hanging out the other day, and she has the exact same car as as I do. And I bought my car brand new, twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. And I told the dealer, I was like, "Hey, I don't, I don't need a screen. I don't, um, you know, I don't need a camera. I don't need anything like that." I was like, "Just as long as it has AC, has an alarm, I'm good." <laughs> so he got me the car that I wanted, and she has the same car, but her car has all those features. And she's like, yeah, I just use my camera. She's like, yours doesn't have a camera? I was like, no. I was like, I don't, I don't need it. My Why first not? car was a shit can. Oh, really? I had a, what model? I had a 2000 BMW that I bought on Craigslist. Oh, that's unfortunate. And it was, uh, what's it called when the cars are, like, they get in accidents and then they rebuild them? Uh, oh, I don't know the word, but it was a, a total, is it a total loss? One of those total loss vehicles? Is that what you mean? Yeah. What's it called? It's like a refurbished or I don't know. I, I get what that. you're saying though. So What's that term is bothering me? And Damn. on top of that, a, a, you said a BMW? Yeah, it was awful. Those the, parts, man. The coolant would leak. Oh no. The reverse only worked if I left. Like, let's say I drive, <laughs> you know, from my house to Albert's, the reverse will work. 
But if I park it, you know, I come in here, we do the podcast, and I left in it, the reverse wouldn't work. So I'd always have to park backwards. Right. So that's how I became a fantastic reverse parker and a fantastic parallel parker. Yeah. <laughs> Is that even a word, parker? <laughs> we're we're going to make it a word. Right. We're, Beyonce we're, did Bootylicious. You can do parker. It's let's fun. go. <laughs> that was actually my first concert ever was Beyonce. Not really? My cousin won tickets through his work in 2007, and we went to a Beyonce concert. What does everyone get the best? My first concert was Kid Rock. Kid Rock? It's so embarrassing. <gasps> it was god-awful. Sweet oh Home Alabama, oh. but loud. <laughs> Oh, that oh, was that sipping whiskey out the bottle. Oh my oh. god, that song is awful. Uh, it really is. If any Kid Rock fans are out there, don't be. <laughs> like, do you hate yourself? <laughs> oh man, it was at the rodeo too. So two whammies. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh, Yeehaw Twitter was there, or Yeehaw MySpace, whatever yeah, it was going yeah. on at the time. <laughs> Tim, Tim McGraw fans. Oh my god. And their moms. What was your favorite concert mm. that you attended? Ooh, um, I actually went to see Tori Moi. Oh. Yeah. Where, Austin? At, no, no, no. I wouldn't make that drive. Oh. It was here. It was at the, at the Paper Tiger. Um, well, that was recently. Yeah, it was recently. And it was awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan. I hate that I, you know, I'm, I'm like a small, intimate concert person. Me too. I'm not. Even Mala Luna, which is like small scale compared to other things. Yeah. I couldn't. I was so, I don't even know how I made it alive out of Mala Luna. Oh, you like, went? I went and it was god awful. What year? Um... I'm trying to think because it was with my ex-boyfriend so that was maybe a year ago it was when Migos was there oh that was 2017 no way that was 2017 I shot I shot photos at Maluna no, that year oh my god that was a long time holy yeah. moly I'm over here like well it was last year yeah because I remember I didn't ha- I had gotten in my car accident it was before I got that brand new car at the time okay. um, so my my ex-girlfriend was driving me everywhere and she drove me there so I could shoot photos and write the story but I remember um, that was my first time being at a at a festival mm. It was a mess. I don't know how people can do that. Like, stand in the same spot for a whole day. Well, but not just that. The The issue with me was that there was a bunch of kids that were, that were like, obviously 16 to 18. And they were trying to flex, you know what I mean? Like, it basically turned into, like, the Coachella photo op of San Antonio. So they were all dressed in a certain way. And they were all trying to act real hard and tough. The jerseys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a bunch of kids trying to mosh, you know, and trying to do certain things. And it was impossible to breathe. It was impossible to... to I, I wouldn't even have minded just standing there, but the fact that they were, like, squeezing and pushing, and then, yeah. you know, my ex-boyfriend was, like, what, two inches shorter than me, so, like, I was trying to keep him, like, <laughs> safe, you know? Uh. The guy in front of him has his backpack, like, all in his face. Um, I remember clearly there was a girl who got kicked really hard, and her boyfriend had to drag her out, and um, they had to get an ambulance for her because her legs, I don't know what happened, but I guess she got kicked really, really hard. Wow. Um, so I didn't even make it to finish watching Migos. I was like, we can go because this is a mess. And um, They were kind of boring. Like one, um, one of them remember, was like fixing his hair. The one I really liked was Future. He, he looked like he was having a lot of fun. But when I saw Migos performing, I was excited because, you know, they had that, yeah, that hit, that hit that was like. Everyone went crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And, like, I was just, like, I was underwhelmed by them. Little Wayne was fun, too. Like, I was, mm-hmm. he was smiling and, like, interacting with the crowd. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that kind of uh, performance. Energy, yeah. But then again, I'm, like, that's, I barely got into the music scene maybe two years ago. As far oh, okay. as, like, live music scene yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah for, I'm, I'm the same. For me, it's it's a little bit of a different, I know there's people who are diehard fans and diehard into that kind of thing. But um, I, I think festivals for me are pretty much, like, a no a no-go unless it's a very wholesome indie band where I know no one's gonna try to throw me <laughs> but for Mala Luna yeah like I've I, I don't know if you saw but uh, San Antonio Loveless is doing that giveaway mm-hmm. so obviously I'm obsessed with Meg Thee Stallion so I, I need to go see her I, I hope I win those tickets because um, she's like my favorite right now but I'm thinking to myself hypothetically if I do get these tickets am she's I really gonna put up too. I know I'm like she's from Houston bro I gotta represent we gotta be there to support <laughs> but I realistically, I'm I'm thinking to myself, do you really want to go out there to that Nelson D. Wolf whatever stadium? Yeah, that's cough weird. up all that dirt and sniff all that dirt and have all those kids there that are probably gonna mosh you until you just <laughs> don't even know the difference between right and left. So, we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? You can talk your shit, say whatever you you want. All right, all right. Can I can I put in some plugs? Yeah, for my go own for stuff? it. Well, since we're talking about my artwork and I'm trying to flex a little for the Oh, yeah, gram. yeah, yeah. Tell them your handles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so for my Instagram, my handle, my art handle is at guavadoodle. Um, and basically, I'm trying to upload more on there, so hopefully you'll see more artwork in the coming weeks and months. 
Um, my personal is Guava Venezolana. That's V-E-N-E-Z-O-L-A-N-A. -E and that one's more of a lifestyle thing, so if that's not your squeeze, it's fine. Um, and then for Twitter, it's the same. If you want to hear me rant, not hear me, why did I say hear me? If you want to read my rants and read my threads. Um, They're lots of fun. Yeah. I mean, prepare yourself, because I be tweeting like I, I don't have a job, <laughs> honestly. I'm on there, and I'm like, I'm with unemployed Twitter, <laughs> but I'm employed. Like, stop <laughs> tweeting on the job. <laughs> I can't help myself, though. But yeah, it's been fun. Cool. And if you want to follow me, obviously, you know, my Instagram and Twitter are at SportsGuyJose. That wraps it up for episode three. Stay brown. Be good, Albert?